Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, I could not be more proud than I am to tell you that once again, my haunted Asheville ghost tours in Asheville, North Carolina, have won a TripAdvisor Certificate of Excellence. And in my opinion, and I think the opinion of most people who are into vacations and touring and all that, TripAdvisor is top-notch. I mean, that's like winning an Oscar or some kind of Emmy or something because, you know, TripAdvisor gives you these awards based upon the actual unfiltered, raw reviews that real customers leave. And they're very stringent about that. Um, Yes, it's true that there are people who can go out and try to sabotage their competition if they really get serious about it, send in, you know, real customers that will then intentionally leave a bad review. But if you think something fishy is going on, you can always contact TripAdvisor. Um, You can leave management responses. I mean, there are ways to try to deal with that. In fact, sometimes my business has gotten a bad review that was actually meant for another business and somebody accidentally put it on mine. So there are little things that you have to deal with. But overall, uh, I mean, we, we this is the third year in a row we've gotten the Certificate of Excellence. And uh, I think that just speaks to the hard work and the great talent of my entire staff. Because there have been times in the distant past when I did not manage the tours because I was on some type of hectic TV shoot or something like that. But For the past several years, I have personally managed the tours, even when I've been out of town, thanks to the miracles of technology, and so so I can take credit for uh, creating them and doing most of the running of them in terms of um, what actually is used for marketing and organizing things, but it really boils down most to the guides who are right there on the ground who are interfacing with our customers and uh, every single one of the guides are just absolutely fantastic at what they do so you know i really want to thank uh, tad mcdivitt and brian bloxham and christian mcleod and we have wonderful people who do tours for us occasionally um philip queen and um, we've got Lewis Pratt, and then, of course, when it comes to the Biltmore Village Tours, we have uh, Missy Hill and Investigator Shelley Wright, and then I've got uh, Maya, uh, who I just have been training to help me with customer service, Maya Lacey, and she's doing a wonderful job with that and a backup guide, so I just have a great, great staff of people, and I also want to point out that You know, I could not be happier than I am to be here in Nevada right now, and that's because I haven't seen a drop of rain since I arrived here the beginning of this month, and it has been raining almost every day, I understand, in western North Carolina, but that doesn't matter because we run our haunted Asheville ghost tours, rain or shine, doesn't matter if it's snowing or sleeting or hailing. I mean, that's our policy. Uh, If the guide can make it there, then you're expected to be there. So uh, we don't cancel because of weather. We don't give refunds because of weather. Um, So, 
you come out and it's raining, we've got a bunch of umbrellas. Hopefully you'll bring your own. Uh, but if not, we'll do our best to provide one for you. And we also know where all the little nooks and crannies are where we can step out of the weather or, of course, take you into the museum for certain parts, indoor activities like that. So anyway, again, thank you to my wonderful staff. Congratulations to all of them. And uh, if you're interested in taking that tour, you can go to hauntedashville.com, hauntedashville.com. Uh, for example, tomorrow night, it's already sold out for our 8 p.m., but we just added on a 9 p.m., so uh, we couldn't be happier. But yes, I'm going to be here in Nevada for a while. Uh, I have leased a condominium here for quite a while, and I'm going to be working on more TV projects and events of various kinds uh, in one capacity or another. I have agreed to help just produce some events from behind the scenes, so I have a lot of cool stuff happening out here in the high desert, and uh, or I guess close to the high desert. I don't know. If, I guess I know Art Bell used to always talk about the high desert, but he was in Pahrump, which is about uh, maybe a half hour from here. I haven't been to Pahrump yet, so I'm going to make a trip over there and check it out. But anyway, um, I've been having fun here uh, because I'm just now catching my breath after all the things that have been happening. So. Uh, decided to get out and take a little trip yesterday and uh, explore some and there is an area called Boulder City it's a little town cozy little town with shops and bars and restaurants and antique shops and that sort of thing on the outskirts of Vegas and uh, it's not far from the Hoover Dam they call themselves the Dam City and so we went there specifically because it, in the midst of all this sort of quaint, you know, down-home, quiet, peaceful living, you find a place called Tom Devlin's Monster Museum. And Tom Devlin is a special effects makeup artist and sculptor who now lives in Boulder City. He works on primarily horror movies, does a lot of independent horror movies. He is self-employed, and um, he was on the very first season of the television series called Face Off on the Sci-Fi Channel, where they take all these different makeup artists and sculptors, and they challenge them every week to create various creatures and monsters, and uh, he actually won best villain that season for uh, a creature he created but uh, Tom Devlin has always been fascinated with the entire history of special effects makeup and and he um, he started collecting things goodness knows how long ago various props from you know going all the way back to the classic days like the early universal stuff you know regarding like the Lon Chaney's work and Lon Chaney Jr. You know, the Hunchback and the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Boris Karloff and the Mummy, Bela Lugosi. I mean, all that good stuff. Uh, he's got all kinds of interesting um, artifacts. And he uh, he brings that all the way up through to, to modern day, you know, things. Or more modern day, like, you know, you're talking like The Exorcist and Freddy Krueger. And, and then some quirky stuff like They Live. And what he has done is not only create this cool museum where you walk through and you see animatronics, like you see Linda Blair's head spinning around and all that, but um, he also has himself 
created life-size statues of all these monsters. So he could have just gone out and easily bought some type of, you know, you know, Halloween prop or whatever that resembles these things and put them up. But no, he wanted to make uh, his own sculpture of these things. And so these are each actually one-of-a-kind, unique works of art. So, uh, of course, going through there, I took all kinds of pictures Uh, I was having a field day with that, so I'll be posting those occasionally on my social media over time. I didn't want to, you know, blow everything all at once here, and so, uh, but I did post a picture of me with the Crypt Keeper. (laughs) That's the guy who greets you when you go in the door. He rises up from his coffin. So, um, anyway, so that's fun, and I mean, I love that, that fact that when you're here, near Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, you just never know. You never know what you're going to be surprised by, that, you know, some talent or some kind of quirky interest that just is, you know, sort of stuffed away in one of these otherwise sleepy corners of the area way out here in the middle of the desert. But uh, I want to share something with you because now that I have set up my... I'm going to call this my West Coast base camp. It's That's not entirely true because, you know, there is no oceanfront property in Arizona or Nevada. <laughs> um, however, we're right next to California where you have the Pacific Coast. I mean, I can be in California and about, I can drive in about three and a half hours to L.A., or probably be there in an airplane in 30 minutes. So this is basically my West Coast uh, headquarters for the time being. And now that I'm out here, I love the fact that I have a lot of space that I can work with to work on new projects. I'm going to, over time, be building some uh, new laboratories and workshops out here, taking advantage of this space. Now, this is a long-term project, so you know this is something that will happen, again, over years. But one of the first things that I want to start doing immediately is getting back into some parasymatics experiments. Now, of course, when I did my event here in Vegas recently, I, for the first time ever, produced a live parasymatics demonstration. So I explained to everybody in the audience how parasymatics works. I invented this, and uh, and I demonstrated it for them. And then they got to come up out of their seats and come take a, a look at it, and in fact... Some people even decided to drink the water afterward um, to see if it tasted different. And uh, Missy Hill was the first one, and she said it had kind of an electrostatic flavor or something along those lines. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how to how to explain that, but uh, I do know you know when you vibrate water, I guess some of the molecules break up and there's some energy released. But just to refresh you, you know, parasymatics is again this is a field of study i created where you take a container of water could be small could be huge i I, of course i created a small one for this demonstration um and what you do is you resonate it at various frequencies so you get all these weird patterns in the water and then you interject messages intentions into those frequencies and you can see the pattern on the water change as the message is being delivered and then we view this under different kinds of lighting like infrared ultraviolet or laser light to pick out a lot of the details and then we capture that and turn it into a symbol or a sigil 
And then when you have that sigil with you uh, in our experiments so far and from all the feedback I've gotten, it tends to attract whatever phenomenon was embedded into that message. So let's say if you want more money, well, I have a sigil I created where I, my message was I am attracting more money in that, or something like that. And so you'd find the sigil for that and you just sort of hang out with it and look at it throughout the day. And the testimonials are amazing. I have one guy who went to a casino with one of these sigils and won over and over. On his way out the door, he won uh, 10,000 bucks just by hitting you know, a slot just a couple times on the way out the door. So you probably are familiar with this. If not, go to joshuapwarren.com and scroll down the homepage and then you'll find some of these sigils and a link you can click with more sigils and more information. So I have been uh, wanting to get back into creating a lot more sigils and expanding this field of research. But there's one part of this in particular that I find especially promising, and that is using the same technology to create sigils in order to sort of back engineer sigils that already exist and figure out what the, the frequencies and tones and messages were that created them. And so the idea is that if we know how that we can turn a frequency into an image, then maybe we can take an image that exists already, especially if it's one that's thousands of years old, and we can somehow um, reverse the process so that we're able to hear or experience the vibration or the tone that created that thing. So theoretically, you could do this uh, using any symbol out there. But what's weird to me is like I've been thinking about this for a while. And last night, uh, as we were driving around, I was listening to NPR. And I guess it was the local NPR, I'm not sure. But this uh, this lady came on. And she said, uh, you know, yeah, she goes, Walt Whitman said, peace is always beautiful. And I thought to myself, well, that's pretty simple, but, but that is true, isn't it? Because think of how many things in life that you can say are always beautiful and, and, and unless you've got some kind of a real problem, like some kind of warmongering complex, you ought to be able to agree with that. Right? Peace is always beautiful. But then she went on to say, what if a peaceful photograph made a sound? What would that sound be like? You know? And she was getting at this connection between images and the way the image might sound. And I'm not sure uh, if they were about to play picture or music that was inspired by paintings and stuff, or if she was just tossing that out there, because I was hungry as hell, and we just pulled into a Mexican restaurant, so I had to cut that short. But anyway, I'm sitting in the restaurant, and I said, Lauren, isn't that interesting how the lady was saying, you know, what if you could hear a picture, you know, what would it sound like? Because that's what I've been talking about for a long time as well. And then I figured that this is now the next thing or one. I, I have like a stack of projects that I've been just dying to do. So you're going to be hearing a lot from me 
over the next few months. Be sure you subscribe to my e-newsletter. It's free. You can subscribe through joshuapwarren.com. I have all kinds of interesting experiments I want to do and cool products I want to create and all that kind of stuff. But I was telling Lauren, yeah, this is something that I really want to do. I want to start figuring out the best way to back engineer an image and get the sound or vibration from it that created it. Because if you can do that, then you can take any iconic image from all throughout history and experience it in a completely new, different way. And I've been thinking for a while about how to do that, and then the light bulb went off, and I was like, oh shit, I got it. I think I've got it. So, I've never tried this before. But this is one of the things I'm going to be working on, and and it's going to be it's going to be complicated. This is going to be a lot more complicated than it is to create a sigil. Once you know how to create a sigil using the parasymatics technique, it's really not that incredibly difficult. But taking an image that already exists and back engineering it, that is much trickier. And I think I'm going to have to use um, some rather complex computer software to help me do this. Um, I don't want to tell you what the idea is yet because if if this works well enough, I might just keep this one a little trade secret to be honest with you because this is good enough that I don't know that I would want to share that right off the bat because it, how, how cool is it going to be if I am able to be like, okay, tune into my podcast and you're going to be able to hear what the yin-yang sounds like, you know, or tune into my podcast and you'll be able to hear what this Egyptian hieroglyph sounds like. And there are so many things throughout history. Check out this crop circle, folks. Tune into my podcast and listen to the sound this crop circle makes. This opens up a whole new category of research and innovation and I find it extremely exciting, and I'm going to be jumping headfirst into this. I'm already, I'm already working on it, but it's just going to take me some time because I want to make sure I get it right. But this could change so much about how we view the metaphysical world and the relationship we have with symbols and thought forms and tulpas and all these things that help us tap into the energy of the cosmos. So to say this is exciting is an understatement. Honestly, I know I say this too much, but I am. I'm getting goosebumps right now when I think about the potential here. Because once it occurred to me how to do this, and there are two different ways I'm going to have to experiment with that I've come up with. Or I might be able to combine both of those, and you know, I just have to see what kind of result that I'm getting. Um, there's always going to be a slightly subjective element in this, because... It's part science and part art, but the science part is pretty hardcore, and the art part is is minimal. So, uh, but you know what? All research is really part science and art, because no matter what instrument you're using to collect scientific data, the process of creating that instrument involved some artistic ability, you know, to envision it and to to contact people who know how to make this component and that component to figure out how it's going to look. I mean, there's always an artistic component to this. So this is going to be a really interesting expression of both science and art in tandem. 
my God, I, I, I have so much more I want to tell you, but that's why I do this podcast on such a regular basis. My goal is to crank one out for you every day. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. And I hope that you will subscribe. If you haven't, go to joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P. joshuapwarren.com. You can subscribe to my free e-newsletter there, and you'll find the link to this podcast. You can subscribe through various means, or just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So that's it for today. There is so much exciting stuff happening. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I hope you're you're enjoying a great Memorial Day weekend, and um <sighs> If it's raining on you, I feel for you. It's nice to be in the desert. Don't hate me because I'm in the desert. Okay, folks, uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.